Good morning, church. It is so great to be with you. My name is Jeremy, the lead pastor here. And I want to begin by just having a, a heart-to-heart with you, just a little bit of me sharing my heart. You get a chance to get to know me a little bit better. I love the Northwest mostly, okay? Like most of the Northwest I really love. There's a few things that I still find a bit odd, and one of them in particular maybe is the strangest thing to me. You all, most of you at least, think that LaCroix is a legitimate drink. <laughs> Who are my LaCroix people in the house today? Mm-hmm. I get offered LaCroix more here than I have ever been offered it in my life. And I don't get it. I just don't understand it. So, uh, you know, these are LaCroix. Those of you who are like, what are we talking about? Yeah, these drinks, okay? Now, in case you're like, I love LaCroix. I don't know what to do here. I got good news for you. I'm about to roll out four brand new LaCroix flavors, not even released yet but you get to hear about it first here, right? Number one, brand new, hint of hint of lime. (laughs) Woo, tell you what. Number two, transport it in a truck near bananas. (laughs) I mean, that's loaded. Number three, shy watermelon. Just, you don't wanna overpowering, just a little bit. Or my personal favorite, single Skittle dissolved in water. (laughs) I mean, don't. Don't knock it till you try it, right? See, here's the deal. Why, why am I racking on LaCroix? Every time I, I get offered LaCroix, and I've, I've tried numerous ones, I'm excited. The, the, the can looks appealing. The flavor sounds great. I'm ready for it. And then I take that first sip, and it's heartbreak. Every single time. It's like, oh, man, what? this one went bad. This one, it's not. And they're like, that's what it's supposed to taste like. I, no, no, it's, mine's not good. I don't, I don't know what happened to mine. Every single time. See, to me, LaCroix just tastes like disappointment. Like that's, that's what I taste every time. You're like, oh, you haven't tried my flavor. If you try, no, I've tried all of them, all right? They're all bad. Because every time I drink a LaCroix, just being honest with you, every time I drink a LaCroix, my expectations are high and it does not deliver. It's just always below. And it got me thinking. I don't ever want that to be said of me as a person, right? Like, hey, if you meet him, it's a letdown. You know, like he's better (laughs) from far away. But more importantly, I don't ever want that to be said of our church. They go, oh yeah, it might look good. It might have that appeal to it, but once you meet them, it's a letdown, right? And I just started thinking about what, what is the experience that people have when they come here? Do they walk away and go, that was even more than I thought it would be? Or is it like me drinking a little record and kind of going, well, maybe next time, right? And so we're going to begin a brand new series today. We're going to talk about who are we as a church. More importantly, where are we going? What kind of a church will we be in this next season? What does the future hold? And so I'm so glad you're here. Uh, If you're a guest, you came on an awesome week to find out what this church is about. And we're thrilled that you're part of it. I also want to plead with you. Make sure you are here for the next three weeks as well. Because I'm going to begin a conversation today. I'm going to dive dive deeper into it in the next few weeks and explain some things at a greater level. So if you've got questions, hey, I want to know about this or how does this work? We're going to get into a ton of them, but if you're not here, you won't know it. So I want to encourage you, make sure you're a part of this series. This is going to be a pivotal series as a church. And no, no exaggeration, we've been working on this series uh, for the better part of a year uh, of preparation of what we're going to roll out to you guys throughout this next month. So if you've got your journals, hopefully you do, go ahead and get those out. If you go to week one, you'll see a spot there to take notes. And we encourage you every single week, write down 
the things that God is sharing with you, the things that you're going, wow, that sounds out to me. I need to think more about that. I need to pray through that one. Uh, this can aid your own time of study throughout the week or bring it to your life group and go, hey, here's some notes that I had. Let's talk through those on a deeper level. Go to week one and you'll see a spot there. Uh, in your Bibles, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. That's in the New Testament. I wanna encourage you, go ahead and get your Bible out. If you've got a physical analog Bible with you, go ahead and get that out. Uh, get into your spot in the, in the New Testament there. If you've got a Bible app on a phone, it's okay to use your phone in church for the Bible. Uh, so go ahead and get your Bible out and go to 2 Corinthians eight. We're gonna be there in just a moment. Now, as we get there, I want to set the tone for today with a, a quote that I love from one of my favorite authors named C.S. Lewis. Here's what C.S. Lewis once had to say, and I think it's a great word picture. He said, it may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. I love the imagery that, that that egg has so much potential, but that egg will never fly. It's got to go through something. It's got to be hatched or it's going to go bad. And, and here's what I've learned is that that, that hatching process isn't like a one-time thing, right? Especially when you talk about like your faith. It's not like, hey, 20 years ago, I hatched and I've been a bird ever since. I have found that you have to do this every day. Like every day you go, all right, God, what potential in me do you want to tap into today? What dreams, what, what perspective, what burden have you laid on me today that you want to hatch into something else? And if I don't hatch it, it's gonna go bad. And every day we, we wrestle with this. Now, I, I, here's what I'll tell you. I've met a lot of Christians who have, you know, they're like eggs that have gone bad. Like God wanted to do something incredible in your life and you didn't want it to happen. And you tried to fly when you were still an egg and you never quite got there. So how do we become a community that keeps hatching, that keeps allowing God to emerge these new things, whatever God wants to do in every season of our church? I had an interesting perspective about two years ago. I was in Arizona at a church and I felt God laying on my heart and my wife, Michelle, that, that it was time for us to step out into something new. I've shared some of this story if you've been around, but I basically just felt like God saying, hey, in this next season, I want to go move you probably out of the state. I want you to be a lead pastor of a community. And so, okay, God, what does that look like? Well, all I knew was that I didn't know where we would go. And so I, I began this really weird process of interviewing churches, like churches that had an opening for a pastor and, and they were looking for someone. And I, I began to entertain, like, what would it be like if I moved there, if, if that was the church? And, and there's a, a logistical part of it that was weird. It's like, what would it be like to live in California or Florida or Minnesota or the Northwest? Like very different dynamics as we began wrestling through all of that. But as I began researching it, I had, in most cases, I had no direct, you know, relationship with people in these churches. And so I would go to their website and I would find out as much as I could find out about them. What kind of a church is this? And one of the things I realized, I had never seen this before. Almost every church has a similar mission statement. And so you go, what is this church about? And I began to just see the same wording over and over again. And it was the first time I had seen it like that. And what it, it kind of you know, taught me was that really there, really there only is one mission of the church, that, that, that we all exist for the same reason. So any you know, church with the Holy Spirit that is following Jesus is gonna essentially have the same mission as the next church down the street. Now there's a part of that that's absolutely healthy. 
If you've been around here for a while, you know that there's two expressions that we have used uh, to explain what's the mission of Abundant Life Church. And this is one of the things that I began to interview here. I began to look at, okay, what is this church like? The first thing I saw was this expression, reaching as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. I love that. Of course, that is what we want to be about. And this was an incredible statement to make because about 30 years ago, Abundant Life Church did not exist. It was a bunch of llamas around here. And so when you have to, you have to decide, we're going to reach new people because there are no people in this church yet. And incredible growth happened from the point of we got to reach somebody to look around you. A lot of people have been reached for Jesus in this community, and it was an incredible mission for that season of, uh, of the church. You go, we got to reach people. There's another expression that you, you've heard around here. Loving God, loving people, loving life. Now, again, this comes out of something that Jesus said, and, and a lot of churches have a version of this, because really, it's not more complicated than that. You know, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, you got to love God, you got to love people, and, you know, and in some version of this, churches change up the wording on the third one a little bit, but, but love life, you know? And again, John 10.10 10 has been a pivotal verse for this church that Jesus wants to give us abundant life, hence the name. And, and so I, I fell in love with this community. And I go, wow, God is doing something unique here. But I began to pray a prayer that I never prayed before. I never even thought of praying it. But I asked this question, God, I understand the mission of the church kind of corporately. But is there something that you want me to do more specifically with that mission? So I'm going to go to a church, I'm going to land somewhere, and I understand what the big mission is. Is there something in particular, the way you've wired me, the journey I've been on, the perspectives I have, is there something you want me to bring unique to that or, or to shape that in, in a particular way? And so I began to pray, God, if there is, would you lay that on my heart? I began to pray this prayer. All the while, I'm interviewing different churches, I'm getting to know them. Well, here's the deal, and again, I want to be respectful depending on where you're at in your faith. If you're like checking this out and you're a little skeptical or if you've been here for a long time, here's what I would tell you. I felt like God answered that prayer almost audibly, not audibly, but that sense, it was so tangible to me. And I don't say that a lot. I'm not the guy that's like, hey, this week God told me to eat a Taco Bell. He doesn't tell me that. I don't hear that all the time, okay? But every now and then I can give you a, a number of experiences in my life that I would say, if I know the voice of God, that was him. That was God speaking to me. And I felt like God gave me a sentence and, and said, this is what I want you to be about. Go invest yourself in this. Now, at the time, I didn't even know what church we would land at. And, and so I'm just praying about it. And here's the idea that God laid on my heart. This simple sentence. Giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. Giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. And so I began to pray about it and go, okay, God, this is what you're imprinting on me, that this is uh, something of incredible importance. So uh, a number of months ago, uh, I, I was meeting with our eldership and I said, hey, I wanna let you guys in on my journey with God. And I shared the story with them. And I said, here's the sentence that God has been sharing with me. What, what do you guys think about it? And I just kind of submitted to them and said, what, what, what do you wanna do with this? And I watched as God began to ignite in our eldership the same passion that he had ignited in me to go, that's what we could be about. That's what the future could hold for us. Let's go there. Oh, wow, God, this, this was incredible because God was obviously moving ahead of me and, and doing things, even the fact that we got here, it was God going beyond, God doing things that we couldn't do. And, and so this, this idea that God had imprinted upon me, he was now igniting it in the leadership of this church. A few months after that, I brought it to some of our staff and I said, hey, here's what God has been impressing on me. Here's what our eldership is praying about. What do you guys think? 
I began to watch as our staff began to own it and say, yes, we love that. We want to be about that. We want to be a church that focuses on that. And, and when I say this, you know, you might go, oh, the word giving's in there. He's setting up a capital campaign. <laughs> Take a deep breath. There's no capital campaign coming, okay? Uh, this is not just like financial giving. This is holistic giving. What does it mean to give everything of ourselves? We are not just giving of ourselves, we are giving ourselves. Like, hey, this is me, God, all of it. What do you want? How, how do you want to use it? And so here's what I want to roll out to you. This is going to be where we go from here. This is going to be our laser focus of our mission as we move forward. Now you're going, well, what about the other statements? They're absolutely true. We still believe them. We still want to reach as many people as possible. This is specifically how we're going to do it as we move forward. As we look ahead and go, what's needed now, God? What's needed in this season of time? What do you want to do now different than you did 30 years ago? And this is where we sense God is leading us. And so same mission, same focus, same Jesus, but now we're drilling it down a little bit ago. Okay, this is uniquely how we're going to be wired in this community. Now, if you've got your journals, I want to get, encourage you to get those out. Open up to the cover page, the, the front cover, and you'll see a bunch of blanks. I want you to write down this mission statement right there. If you do it right, there's one word per blank, okay? So if you run out of blanks, you got too many, you, you missed a word. So giving ourselves to make the gospel good news for others. You are going to hear this a lot in the days to come. Uh, this has been impressed upon my heart and God has been igniting this idea in the people in our community. So I wanna encourage you, why don't you start praying about this? And God, why, why is this the idea you're stirring up in this community and how can I resonate with it in the same way? Now, if we're honest, we, would, we have to acknowledge that a lot of Christianity does not look like good news to others. And I'm gonna unpack this idea more in the weeks to come. I'm gonna nuance it. But here's one of the things, a little teaser for next week. If we have the power to make the gospel bad news, and I think all of us can name a few examples, then we have the power to make it good news by how we are consistently living it out. And I just, I wanna acknowledge to you, there's too much bad news in Christianity today. I give you numerous examples. One example that came to my mind, we have a picketer that has been picketing at least two of our campuses for a few months now. Now, you may have seen uh, as you're driving in or out any one of these days uh, that there's this guy with a sign. Now, just to let you know, it has nothing to do with us. There's no scandal. We're not affiliated with anything. He's not exposing anything. This is just what this church does. That they pick a church. We're the lucky ones. You know, yay. And they pick us and they say, we're going to go and stand out front with our signs. Now, I don't know the full nature of what his sign says because I can only get hung up on one word every time I drive by it, and the word is whoremonger. Not a word you hear a lot. Uh, and here's what I would tell you. It's really hard to describe your message as good news when the word whoremonger is written on your sign. You know what I mean? Now, here's the deal. I don't need to disparage that guy. He's doing what he feels called to do. That's fine. That's between him and God. All I'm telling you is we're not going to be a church with a message like that. We're gonna be a church that focuses on the fact that we believe we have good news that changes people's lives and we're gonna celebrate the good news and we're gonna to try to live in such a way that other people see the good news. Now, the picketer might be an easy uh, observation, right? Oh, that guy is holding up a sign or the street preacher with a megaphone yelling at people. That might be an easy example. Let me tell you a more subtle one. That really, if you read throughout church history, ever since Constantine, you have this idea of Christendom. When the church gets power and the church gets the majority and the church gets numbers and influence on its side, all of a sudden you have people who go to the church that go to Jesus because there's something to gain 
And so if I'm a Christian, I get more power. If I'm a Christian, I get more influence. If I'm a Christian, I get more money, more business deals, more respectability, whatever that is. And so what can happen is the good news for everyone can become only good news for us. And here's what I've learned in in this. If the gospel is only good news for us, it will never be good news for others. That when we become the type of community that says, yeah, it's gonna be good news only for us. I don't care about you. I want it to be good news for me. What do I get? Then it ceases to be good news for others. But if you can say, hey, I I believe this is good news for me. And once I've seen it, I want it to be good news for other people. All of a sudden, that is the nature of the gospel. And that's what it has, that's how it spreads. What if we followed Christianity? Not because I'm gonna get so many perks out of this, but we knew this is gonna cost me everything. I'm gonna have to give myself to this. I'm gonna have to sacrifice. I'm gonna have to surrender a lot of things to this. What kind of a church would that look like? Now, if you're with me in your Bibles, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to read to you verse 9. And, and as I have been praying through this and months and months of this, this is the verse I keep coming back to. This is the verse God keeps hollering to me. And so if John 10.10 10 has been, uh, you know, one of our focus verses, because primarily of our name, this is a verse of where we're going. How do we express the mission? Uh, it really comes out of this idea of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Here's what it says. And I encourage you, highlight this, circle it, star it, do whatever you want. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Now again, we hear this in primarily financial terms. Uh, It's not just a financial verse. It's not saying, oh, he had money, he gave up his money, he's poor. It's talking about Jesus literally emptied himself. It's Philippians 2. He emptied himself for us. He laid aside privilege and power and prestige and all the things he could claim and said, no, 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 I'm going to go be a lowly servant of you. And in this emptying of himself, he models what the gospel looks like. It is when we choose to empty ourselves for others. Now you might be going, well, yeah, Jeremy, that's Jesus doing that. We're not supposed to do that. You'd be amazed how often I hear this argument. Uh, whenever I talk about, yeah, well, Jesus did it, so I'm going to do it. And they're like, well, you know, Jeremy, you're not Jesus. Thank you. I'm aware of that. But <laughs> Jesus told me to follow him, and so I'm trying to look like him. I'm trying to be more like him than I was anything else. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's my goal. And, and part of the reason why is because that's what Jesus told us to do. Let me show you. John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Think about that statement. It's a conditional clause. As that happened, you know how how God the Father sent me? Yeah, got it. That same thing is what I'm doing with you. Whoa, that's that's a little bit intense, but, but I'm not Jesus. Yeah, yeah, well, you're gonna get sent out like Jesus. Like the same way God the Father sent him, that's what you're gonna do. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They might be thinking, uh, that looks hard. I don't think I can do that. And to which Jesus would say, I know, that's why I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it. It's way beyond you. And if all you're aiming at are things that you can accomplish, you will aim far below this. Because you don't need the Holy Spirit for most of the things that we attempt to do. But if you want to 
go get sent out the way that the Father sent out Jesus? You want to be sent out from Jesus like that? That'll take the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to pull that one off on your own. And it's time for us to rethink what would a church look like that believed that we were sent out in the same way that Jesus was sent from the Father? Do we believe that it's possible? Now, let me make a side note. Uh, in addition to hating LaCroix, I hate mayonnaise. Anybody else hate mayonnaise? Okay, hate mayonnaise. I read an article about mayonnaise this week. I don't know if you're, I don't know what you're reading. I'm reading about mayonnaise. I read an article about mayonnaise. It said, in the last five years, mayonnaise sales have dropped 6.7%. Here's why the article said it. Because millennials are not buying mayonnaise anymore. I've never been more proud of millennials in my life. <laughs> Way to go, millennials. I was so pumped by this. I was like, 6.7% in five years? What could be possible in the next 10 years? Let's eradicate mayonnaise off the shelves. You know, we can do it. And I got so pumped and I thought, if I can get that excited about decreasing mayonnaise sales, how excited should I be about the mission that the church has to be sent out like God the Father sent out Jesus? Come on, somebody. Can we get excited about that? And I began to realize that God wants to ignite something inside of us if we would allow it. But here's the reality. If we say we're gonna be a community that gives ourselves to others, you know, so that the good news is good news for them. If we begin to live this out, you know what you'll realize? That's hard to do because we're selfish. I'll get in line first. I'm incredibly selfish. I hate how selfish I am. I hate the fact that I think of myself first before others. And I have to intentionally decide, I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to put others' needs before mine, but it doesn't come easy. I need a community around me to begin to rewire it with me, to begin to help me to see what could be possible. It makes me think of something I saw recently. There's this guy and he, uh, he has this little show and he uh, has these engineers and they always make weird things and he does a little video on it. This one episode, they bring to him a bike just a normal bike, except they had rebuilt it where whenever he turned the handles to the left, the tire went right. And if he turned the handles to the right, the tire went left. And then they said to him, I bet you can't ride this bike. And he's going, kids can ride bikes. I can ride this. I'll just, you know, figure this out really quick. Except he couldn't ride it. And then he began to realize there's something to this, that there's something going on here. I wanna show you a snippet of this video uh, because it illustrates the point of how we often get used to one way of thinking. Check this out. I do not make definitive statements that often, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot ride this bicycle. You might think you can, but you can't. I know this because I'm often asked to speak at universities and conferences and I take the bike with me. It's always the same. People think they're gonna try some trick or they're just gonna power through it. It doesn't work. Your brain cannot handle this. For instance, this guy. I offered him $200 just to ride this bike 10 feet across the stage. Everybody thought he could do it. No, 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 no. No, you didn't understand. You didn't understand. So, this way. <laughs> All right, so, uh, whatever you're at, yeah. No, no, you have to keep your feet on. <laughs> Dude, this part is a big artist. Just give it a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Like, you gotta start rolling at least. And go. Oh, God! Alright, back up. Okay, Keep your feet on the pedal. Go.
Once you have a rigid way of thinking in your head, sometimes you cannot change that, even if you want to. <laughs> what do you think about the last sentence he just said? Once you have a rigid way of thinking in your head, you cannot change it even if you want to. He wanted to ride that bike, so every day he would go out and he would practice riding it. It took him eight months to learn how to ride that bike. Eight months. Because his thinking was so locked in in another pattern that it took him eight months of doing it every day for him to learn how to ride that bike. You and I live in a world every day that tells you, look out for you. Take care of you. Make sure you are number one. And if you take care of you, everything else is fine. Do you know how hard it's going to be to begin to go, I want to give myself away. I, I want to give myself so that others see the good news that I believe. That is not going to be easy. And yet that's the process that Scripture invites us to experience. Paul writes it like this in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Greed, selfishness. Lust for power, right? I, I need to control things. I need to make other people do what I want. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we want to be a community that gives ourselves for others, it is not going to be normal in the culture around us. We need encouragement. We need one another to go, hey, you look a little off today. Hey, can I encourage you? It's worth it. Hey, I'm going to model it for you. We need to be an environment where other people can see it and experience it. And we can grow together as we transform our thinking through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, church, we're going to invite you to give yourself to make the gospel good news for others. To join us in this Process. Now, to do this, we're going to uh, rebrand the church, if you will. And so part of that is I wanted you to be able to say, okay, here's where we're going. Uh, we have this laser-sharp focus. This is what we're going to be about. I want you to, to see it, not just hear about it. Oh, I think they might have changed some wording. No, no, I want you to know that's all going to be changed. So that's number one reason why we're doing it. Number two, part of what we were doing uh, wasn't working even as it was. And so you may know we have three campuses. We have a campus in Sandy, a campus in Vancouver as well. And our, our moniker has been ALCPDX, PDX being the airport abbreviation. It makes sense, except if you live in Vancouver. Vancouver people do not connect with the PDX. I have learned this. And so they're going, hey, what about us? And we're like, yeah, what about them? What do we do with that? The other thing is I have no idea what opportunities God will bring to us in the future. I have no idea whether or not we'll ever launch a campus outside of Portland proper. Well, what do we do then? And so we realized we needed to update this. And so instead of ALC PDX, we are moving toward ALC PNW, Pacific Northwest. So until God calls us to plant in Florida, we should be okay, all right? And, and so we realized this gives us the, the framework, and that's our, gonna be our website now, and you'll see that on emails and social media. Until we you know, have this formula, then we can consistently meet the opportunities we have. So. Without further ado, I want to roll out to you the brand new logo of our church that you will start to see moving forward. And this is, again, I want you to see this and associate. We've got a new mission statement. They go together. So to do that, I want you to watch this video. Check this out.
Church, we're gonna invite you to share this message with us, to own this with us, not oh, I attend that church, but to see yourself as being sent out from Jesus the same way that the Father sent Jesus to go, I'm a part of this. And so we're gonna equip you with tools to help you. Beginning next week, all of our campuses, you can buy stuff to wear that will help you with this. We have shirts and you can wear these and people go, what is that? Let me tell you about this community that I'm a part of. And it gives you the open door to have that conversation. So many of us are so afraid of having these conversations. We're going to help you. We're going to give you the, the open door to create curiosity in people and go, hey, tell me more about it. And you can begin to have that conversation. These will be on sale beginning next week. We want to encourage you. Join us in this. We're going to focus everything that we do around this message. So if you get baptized here, we have a new baptism shirt. It looks like this. Because we believe that there is some good news that God is still changing lives. Amen? Amen. So every time we get to witness it, like we just did, we're going to celebrate that is good news. You're going to see this. And if you're like, hey, I want that shirt, you have to get baptized here. We're not selling them, okay? It's the only way. You've got to earn that shirt. And then if you see someone wearing it, you can be like, way to go. Congratulations. You experienced the good news. But this is the catalyst to make the good news for others. Now, one of the things that I am super excited about that is going to be weird to some of you is that we are now going to have stickers for our cars. Okay? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Stickers for our cars. Uh, we're going to give you, we have these two are the primary ones. That sticker, uh, can, you can put that on anything. Uh, but we're going to start inviting you to do this. Why would we do that? Why, why stickers on a car? I came from a church in Arizona, had 10,000 people on the weekend. Okay, Huge church. We had a lot of money to use in advertising. How do we get the message of the church out? We tried all kinds of things. We tried billboards and online you know, marketing and mailers and, uh, you know, uh, commercials at the movie theaters. We, I mean, we tried all kinds of things. Then we had this survey that we would ask people, how did you find out about the church? You know, one of the one, number one answer we would get, how did you find out about the church? I saw a sticker on a car window. You know how many years I stared at those surveys and kept noticing over and over. And I thought, that is the cheapest way to grow a church, by far. I mean, all you gotta do is put stickers on cars. And here's the reality, why? Because every sticker on a car goes to a person. There's a driver, hopefully right now, you know, there's a driver attached to that vehicle uh, until the robots take over, that's how it works. And, and so we want to, to be a message that goes, hey, we're gonna get this out. So here's my ask of you. I'm asking every single person of our church to put a sticker on their car. You heard me right. Every single one of you, you're like, whoa, pastor, slow down, slow down. Now here, I understand some of you are like, whoa, got my, got my defenses up. Let me address two of them. Number one, you might be thinking, I'm not a sticker person, right? I get it, neither am I. I have no other stickers on my car. I don't even have Yankee stickers on my car. And I am as obsessed with the Yankees as you can get, primarily because I don't want my car to get keyed. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I have no other stickers. I'm not, there's no student of the month, nothing except for this. And so I wanna challenge you. How about you become a sticker person, at least with one sticker? Number two, pushback that you have, and I know, I know a lot of you. I'm not a good driver. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you to raise hands. You know who you are, all right? <laughs> what better way could there be to encourage you to live out your faith behind the steering wheel than a sticker of accountability on your back window. Come on, somebody. Oh, you only wanna be a Christian outside of the car? 
I'm sorry, we're gonna ask you to give yourself for others, okay? You are a Christian everywhere you go, even behind the wheel. And some of you need a little bit of accountability on your back window. Now you might be saying, well, Jeremy, I, I speed. I speed way too much. That's not, gonna look the church, that's not gonna make the church look good. Look, if you speed, a lot more people will see your sticker, all right? <laughs> it's a win-win, guys, however, however you look at it, right? It's a win-win. Here's what I know. People will ask you about your sticker. Hey, what is that? I've seen that everywhere. I keep seeing that on cars. What is that? Oh, let me tell you about it. Now here, here might be thinking, ugh. He just wants to grow a huge church. I don't wanna be a part of that. I don't care about the size of this church. You know what I don't care about? I want people to be able to come to this community and see the gospel lived out. I want them to go, you can see it there. You can taste it and touch it and feel it. That is what the gospel looks like. I've experienced it. Let's create a community like that and let's invite people to go be a part of it with us. And that happens when we own this, which we go, I'm going to be a part of sharing this with others. And let me say it like this. If having a sticker on your car led even one person to experience Jesus, would it be worth it? Church, I'm telling you, in my years of doing this in a different state, this was the easiest way we could get for people to hear about it. Because here's what you don't know. You may be driving along and that person who pulls right behind you just found out that their spouse is gonna leave them. They just found out that they lost their job. They just found out that they got some medical news that is gonna change everything. And you happen to be right in front of them. Who knows how God will use you? Who knows how they will walk behind you and go, hey, tell me about that. And that conversation will ignite something. Can we care enough about giving ourselves that we can give a little bit of real estate on the back windows of our car? That seems like a pretty easy way to begin this process of renewing our minds, of transforming our ways of thinking. Here's the best news. We've got stickers for you today. We even have people to put it on your cars for you. You're like, well, my window's dirty. We'll clean it for you. You have the cleanest back window. The rest of your car will be a mess, but your window will look amazing. I want to encourage you, join us in this right now. I want to close with uh, the quote I began with. C.S. Lewis says this. You cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. Some of you for the last 30 years, have been hatching over and over. You have been pivotal in how this church has got to this point. And I applaud you, I honor you. Thank you for letting us stand on your shoulders. And now it's time for all of us to wake up every morning and go, God, what do you wanna hatch today? God, what do you wanna do today? What potential have you put inside of us that you want us to be a part of? We are choosing that. You know the best thing about the guy that spent eight months learning how to ride that bike? is after all that, he was at one of these speaking engagements and someone said, I bet you couldn't ride a regular bike anymore. So he went outside, someone gave him a regular bike and he couldn't ride it. (laughs) Because he had so retrained his brain. What if we got so used to living out the gospel in this community that we could never go back to the way we were? We could never go back to the selfish people we used to be. 
We can never go back to those power-hungry people we used to be. We can never go back to thinking about only the gospel being good news for us because we have seen it, we have experienced it, we have tasted the gospel, and we are re-transforming everything. We are renewing, and we're going, I cannot go back to that person. What would God do with a church community like that? Let's find out. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we want to be a community that leverages where you have taken this church for three decades and leverages all of that into the future. That harnesses the momentum that, that you've already been at work for so many years. And, and yet we believe that even greater things are possible, that you are not done with us yet, that there is transformation to happen in these communities around us. God, may we not attend church. May we be the church. May we own this mission. May you send us out the way that the Father sent out Jesus. May we own it to that level. And would you transform our thinking as we learn how to give ourselves away for the benefit of those around us. And God, would you use a church like ours far beyond what we could ever do through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.